If I did a tenth, a tenth of what she did, I would be in jail today. If you had better lawyers, you wouldn't be looking at jail at all. Michael Flynn. Well, I don't know why I came here tonight. That's why. I got the feeling that something ain't right. I'm so scared in case I fall off my chair. And I'm wondering how I'll get down the stairs. Clowns to the left of me, jokers to the right. Here I am, stuck in the middle with you. Yep. Yes, I'm stuck in the From Pacifica Radio in Los Angeles, this is the broadcast that's heard on KPFK 90.7 FM in LA. Also in Red Bluff and Redding, California on KFOI, Round Mountains KKRN, and Eureka's KGOE. In Oregon on the Central Coast on KYAQ and Cottage Grove on KSO in Eugene on KEPW. In Lancaster, Pennsylvania on WLRI, Maui, Hawaii's KAKU, Columbus, Ohio's WGRN, Palinville, New York's WLPP. In Grand Rapids, Michigan on WPRR, in New Orleans on WHIV, Gallup, New Mexico's KNIZ, Concord, New Hampshire's WNHN, Fayetteville, Arkansas's KPSQ, Seattle's KODX, Goldendale, Washington's KVGD, and AM950 KTNF in Minneapolis, St. Paul. We also stream coast-to-coast and around the globe every day on the internets on the Progressive Voices Channel, Netroots Radio, Indie Media Weekly, FYI Nation, NicoleSandler.com, Radio Free Brooklyn, GDPR, Revolution 99, Workforce Rising, Deprogrammed Radio, and Detour Talk. Blanketing planet Earth five days a week. I am Brad Friedman, your friendly investigative blogger, journalist, troublemaker, muckraker, all-around swell fellow, says me from bradblog.com. Thank you for joining uh, me and Desi today, or Desi Doyen and I today. (laughs) I never know how that works. Us. Joining event, us today. In any event, <laughs> glad to have you here, I guess. Uh, listen, I often whine these days about how busy the news day has been each and oh, every yeah. day. Oh, yeah. Because, frankly, it almost always is. But today, who Nelly? That I'm. This feels like the day that, frankly, everything has begun, just begun to collapse, to fall apart uh, for reals. Uh, for the Trump, uh, for Trump and his administration, to be frank, uh, but it may just be a preview of what is to come in the coming days. At least I hope, I guess, and especially in the new year, if we get there. Among the stories um, we'll try to hit today: the Trump Foundation shutdown, the Trump border wall backdown, the stunning Michael Flynn sentencing reversal. Desi Doyen, you said earlier it sounded like the Olympics that we were covering today. <laughs> yes, the backflips, the uh, the super quick quick turnarounds. The you know? uh, the failure Olympics today on the broadcast. Uh, also, the appointment of a new U.S. senator and. Another GOP reversal in North Carolina's Republican election fraud scandal in the House, if we can get to it all, plus Desi Doyen and the Green News Report. So let's get right to it. First, let's start with this uh, with the Trump Foundation. The Donald J. Trump Foundation will close and give away all its remaining funds in response to a lawsuit filed by the New York Attorney General's office which had accused the Trump family of using the charity for self-dealing and political gain. 
According to the uh, New York AG on Tuesday, Attorney General Barbara Underwood accused the foundation of, quote, a shocking pattern of illegality that was, quote, willful and repeated and included unlawfully coordinating with Donald Trump's 2016 presidential campaign. Underwood said, quote, this amount uh, this amounted to the Trump Foundation functioning as little more than a checkbook to serve Mr. Trump's business and political interests. Now, the outgoing state attorney general here, Barbara Underwood, will be replaced shortly by Letitia James, who voters elected in November as the new state attorney general. As we reported last week, James has vowed in uh, recent interviews to keep up pressure on the Trump Foundation, on the Trump Organization itself, which is Trump's main business entity, as well as Trump himself, his family and his associates. Noting in one recent interview that, uh, quote, she would use every area of the law to investigate President Trump and his business transactions and that of his family. So I expect things will get worse, not better for Trump once Underwood is replaced by James very shortly. The New York Times notes the closure of the Trump Foundation is a milestone in the investigation, but the broader lawsuit against it, which also seeks millions in restitution and penalties and a bar on President Trump and his three oldest children from serving on the boards of other New York charities, that lawsuit is proceeding. Whatever assets remain after penalties will be directed to charities that must be approved by the AG's office, and the process will be subject to judicial supervision, according to the agreement uh, today. Underwood and a lawyer for the foundation signed this stipulation, agreeing to the dissolution of the, uh, of the Trump Foundation. Underwood said this is an important victory for the rule of law, making clear that there is one set of rules for everyone. We'll continue to move our suit forward. And by the way, when I saw this as a, it, the, oh, they were shutting it down in an agreement with the Trump Foundation, I thought, oh, no, is this it? Is this the end? They've agreed to shut it down. It's all over. Take whatever money is left. They'll walk away walk and then away. everybody yeah. doesn't have any further right. to be done about it. No, that is not the case. Uh, she said we will continue to move our suit forward to ensure that the Trump Foundation and its directors are held to account for their clear and repeated violations of state and federal law. Good. Underwood's office sued the Trump Foundation back in June, charging it with improper and extensive political activity, repeated and willful self-dealing transactions, and failure to follow basic fiduciary obligations or to implement even elementary corporate formalities required by law. Nonprofits are supposed to be devoted to charitable activities, but the AG's office, after a two-year probe, accused the foundation of being used to win political favor and to even purchase a $10,000 portrait of Trump himself that was displayed oh, yes. at one of his golf clubs. Remember that? Oh, yeah. Trump was required to sign annual IRS filings in which he attested the foundation did not engage in political activity. But as it turns out, the foundation engaged in political activity for his campaign. For example... His uh, campaign manager at the time, Corey Lewandowski, 
wrote to the foundation's treasurer in an email that was disclosed in the lawsuit saying, quote, is there any way we can make some disbursements from the proceeds of the fundraiser this week while we're in Iowa, specifically on Saturday? So that's the campaign chair talking to the head of the charitable foundation saying, hey, can we use that charity money while we're here campaigning in Iowa? Charities are also barred from advancing the self-interests of its executives over the charity's mission, but the AG's office said that the foundation had entered into a number of, quote, prohibited self-dealing transactions that directly benefited Mr. Trump or entities that he controlled. One of those was revealed by a note in Trump's own handwriting that said $100,000 of Trump money, uh, Trump Foundation money should be directed to another charity in order to settle a legal dispute between the town of Palm Beach and Trump's Mar-a-Lago resort. Yes, he used charity funds, money that was supposed to be for charity, in order to settle a lawsuit. Can't do it, Mr. President. Sorry about that, buddy. The attorney general's office is seeking for the foundation to pay $2.8 million in restitution, which is the amount raised for the foundation at one single Iowa fundraiser back in 2016. Remember this one that Trump held on the day that he refused to attend a, uh, a Republican debate on Fox News? Oh, yes. Said instead, oh, I'm going to hold a, a, an event for, for, the, for the veterans or whatever, for the troops. Well... He raised a bunch of money at that charity event, but that was unlawful because it was done as part of a as part of his campaign in Iowa in 2016. Trump had posted on Twitter back in June that he, uh, quote, I won't settle this case. And he accused the, quote, sleazy New York Democrats of targeting him. Well, today, at least in part, he began to settle the case, uh, sort of. Trump's attorneys claimed that he had planned all along to shut down the charity after becoming president to avoid any conflicts of interest, which is darling. Also, uh, if uh, the AG's office is successful in barring Trump from serving on foundation boards for a decade, which is uh, what they're going for, among other things, in this suit for him and his kids, the Times notes that it would put him in the unusual position of not being able to serve on the board of his own post-presidential foundation, should it be set up in New York. Actually, I think that's a good idea, considering that this is a family of grifters. They should be prevented from serving on the Library Foundation. I mean, they really thought that they would get away with all of this. Well, and they have for many years, but looks like those years may be coming to an end, at least as of today. All right, moving on here, because we've got a lot to get to. Des, looks like you were right last week when I asked, uh, I forced you to predict who would <laughs> who would blink first over this uh, latest Christmas government shutdown showdown, whether it would be the tr- uh, uh, Trump or the, uh, the Democrats. You predicted Trump. Looks like you may be right, at least so far. So far. Donald Trump on Tuesday retreated from his demand for $5 billion to build a border wall as congressional Republicans maneuvered to avoid a partial government shutdown before funding expires for the federal government at the end of the day on Friday. 
Democrats immediately rejected a follow-up offer from Republicans, leaving the two sides still at an impasse as hundreds of thousands of federal workers now await word on whether they will be sent home without pay just before Christmas. Democrats say they have rejected a new border funding offer from Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell. That offer called on Congress to to pass a $1.6 billion Homeland Security spending bill. And Congress would also reprogram $1 billion in unspent funds that Trump could then use on his immigration policies. We spoke uh, what was it last week, I guess, with Dave Lindorf uh, about the way the uh, the Pentagon funding works and how it seems that they year after year do not spend all the money that they're allocated. And so they take those unspent funds instead of returning them to the people as required by the Constitution. They put them in some fund for future spending. Uh, now, uh, Mitch McConnell seems to be saying, well, We'll just take some of that money, $1 billion, and and reallocate it to Donald Trump. That is being rejected, you'll be surprised to learn, by the Democrats. Uh, Senate Minority Leader Chuck Schumer called McConnell on Tuesday to reject that deal. House Minority Leader Nancy Pelosi was blunt in her uh, criticism of this reprogrammed funds idea. She said, Leader Schumer and I have said that we cannot support the offer they made of a billion-dollar slush fund for the president to implement his very wrong immigration policies, adding, so that won't happen. Good. <laughs> Funding for the Homeland Security Department and the Justice Department and Interior and Agriculture and other agencies making up about a quarter of the federal government, that funding runs out Friday at midnight unless... Trump and Congress are able to take action. The funding is uh, hung up over this one single demand for $5 billion for this wall, which Democrats have rejected, and that Mexico was supposed to pay for, not the American taxpayer. Now, uh, that $5 billion is much more than the $1.3 billion the Democrats have uh, offered here, which is uh, not for Trump's promised wall along the southern border, but for other security measures such as fencing, etc. AP notes that it was not always like this, this uh, familiar standoff just days before Christmas. It does seem to happen now year after year with Congress and the White House at another crisis over uh, government funding. The House and the Senate used to pass annual appropriation bills, and the president signed them into law. It wasn't a problem. But recently, this shutdown scenario has become so routine that the AP wonders uh, if shutdowns, even as a negotiating tool, have lost their punch, if anybody is really freaked out about them anymore. In any event, a partial shutdown could still now occur at midnight on Friday, and it risks disrupting government operations and leaving hundreds of thousands of federal employees furloughed or working without pay over the holiday season. The costs here would likely be in the billions, so Merry Christmas from Donald Trump. 
More than 800,000 government workers are preparing for the uncertainty ahead. The dispute could affect nine of 15 cabinet-level departments and dozens of agencies, including the Department of Homeland Security, Transportation, Interior, etc., etc., as well as the National Parks and Forests, by the way. Yes, about half the workers would be con- would be forced to continue working without immediate pay. It sounds kind of unconstitutional to me, but somehow that's what we do now in these things. Others would be sent home. He does not have the votes from the Republican-led Congress to pass this thing, so it's unclear how many Republicans, uh, with just a few weeks left in the majority, before they're forced to give up power to House Democrats, even if they held a vote here, no one knows if, if enough of them would show up to pass this in the U.S. House. And then, of course, getting it through the Senate is impossible at this point. Many Republicans say it's up to Trump and Democrats to cut a deal. Well, good luck with that, Mr. President. By the way, there's this book that's called The Art of the Deal that I understand uh, he may want to read someday. It's got a lot of tips about, uh, you know, making how to make deals, some helpful stuff in there, I'm told. Sure. Now, I'm just curious yeah. if AP recognizes that this whole hostage-taking over government shutdowns, mm-hmm. that it used to not be this brinksmanship every year, that's only from Republicans. Only Republicans well, have threatened to shut down not the government. true, actually. Remember, the last time we shut down, it was the Democrats because they refused to include uh, protection for the Dreamers, for DACA. It In was the words, Democrats' fault. Well, I would say that the Republicans are willing to shut down the government yeah. for things that used to be routine. DACA used to be routine. Washington Post says the apparent White House backdown and attempts to figure out some way to come up with this $5 billion comes after what they describe as a series of miscalculations by the White House and Republicans in uh, recent days over how to try to get Democrats to sign on for Trump's long-promised wall. Democratic leader uh, Schumer and Nancy Pelosi last week at the White House suggested keeping funding at its current level, which includes, again, $1.3 billion already for improved fencing. During that televised meeting, you'll recall, Trump said that he would be proud, proud to shut down the government over the issue. A statement that uh, congressional Republicans have openly said has not helped in their messaging against Democrats. Gee, you think? Who they want to blame for a shutdown. Just to refresh your memory, here's a bit of the Great Dealmakers televised Oval Office meeting with Schumer and Pelosi last week. If we don't get what we want one way or the other, whether it's through you, through a military, through anything you want to call... I will shut down the government. Okay, absolutely. Fair enough. And we I am disagree. proud, and I'll we tell you disagree. what, I am proud to shut down the government for border security, Chuck. So I will take the mantle. I will be the one to shut it down. I'm not going to blame you for it. I will take the mantle Good. of shutting down. And I'm going to shut it down for border security. But we security. believe you shouldn't okay. shut it down. Thank you very much, everybody. <laughs> Speaking on the Senate floor today, Schumer warned that going along with the Trump shutdown is a futile act because House Democrats would quickly approve government funding in January when they take power. 
And of course, that uh, that Democratic majority budget would not likely be any better for Trump than what he was able to get right now, at least not without offering something in exchange to Democrats, which Donald Trump does not seem to understand that when you make a deal, you're supposed to offer something in response for getting something. Schumer said uh, Trump still doesn't have a plan to keep the government open. He says no temper tantrum will get the president his wall. One option for lawmakers would be to provide stopgap funding for a few weeks until the new Congress convenes January 3rd when Pelosi is poised to become the House Speaker. And I suspect that is what will probably happen at this point after Trump blinks yet again, as he did today following his insistence that he would shut down the government. Now, maybe not so much. All right, well, this was supposed to be the easy one for Team Trump today. Uh, Trump's first, and this is remarkable, just mind-blowing, Trump's first former national security advisor, uh, Michael Flynn, who lasted, what was it, all of uh, less than two weeks or so in the job, he was to have been sentenced in a federal courthouse in Washington, D.C. today after his guilty plea last year for lying to federal investigators from the FBI about his undisclosed conversation with the Russian ambassador. After cooperating with federal prosecutors since his guilty plea, uh, they called for no jail time for Michael Flynn. But his stupid attorneys decided to press that case claiming that the FBI investigators did not tell Flynn, who is a war was a retired high ranking military official. I think he was lieutenant general. And he was the former head of the Defense Intelligence Agency. They his dumb attorneys tried to press the fact that uh, during the interview with him, with Flynn at the White House, that they did not tell him that lying to the FBI was a crime which you kind of think he might have known. Uh, but Trump and the right wingers ever since have been up in arms, claiming that Flynn was somehow tricked by the FBI and trapped. He was entrapped into somehow lying about his conversations regarding sanctions with uh, with Russians. Now, special counsel Robert Mueller, again, who had previously recommended zero jail time for Michael Flynn, in exchange for his fulsome cooperation over the past uh, year or so on several different investigations, Mueller's team strongly rejected the claim by Flynn and his attorneys that uh, they somehow tricked him in the, in the White House in, uh, in a rebuttal sentencing memorandum. So the, nonetheless, the right-wingers have been arguing this week that Judge Emmett Sullivan, who was originally appointed by Ronald Reagan to the federal bench, that uh, somehow Judge Sullivan was somehow going to clear Flynn of any wrongdoing because of this, uh, this shocking entrapment of the former national security advisor, that uh, Sol Sullivan was going to toss out his case or something. Uh, the sentencing was, met, was, was supposed to be today, and today the White House even claimed that Flynn had been, quote, ambushed, ambushed by federal investigators in their interview with him. Well, boy, howdy, did the right-wingers and Michael Flynn 
and Donald Trump, who wished Flynn good luck on Twitter today, by the way, before the sentencing uh, hearing. Boy, did they all get this one wrong. It did not start out well for Flynn. It finished even worse. Here's how it began, uh, actually. Uh, uh, Sullivan, Judge Sullivan, told Flynn, according to uh, Nicole LaFond over at TPM, quote, I cannot recall any incident in which the court accepted a guilty plea in which he was not guilty and I don't intend to start today. I will inform you any false answers will get you in more trouble. Do you understand, Mr. Flynn? Flynn responded in the affirmative before Sullivan then asked if he wished to, quote, challenge the circumstances under which you were interviewed by the FBI. No, Your Honor, Flynn said. I was aware that lying to the FBI was a crime. Sullivan also asked Flynn if he believed that he was entrapped by the FBI, and Flynn said no through his attorneys and that he was, quote, aware that lying to the FBI was a crime in seeming contradiction to what his own attorneys had said in in their own sentencing memorandum, which was filed after Mueller's team had said we recommend no jail time. So uh, Flynn said, quote, I was aware that lying to the FBI was a crime. HuffPost reporter Ryan Riley characterized Sullivan's remarks in tweets. I think he was in the courtroom uh, as an attempt to make his crimes abundantly clear. Judge Sullivan, uh, Riley writes, as this was going on, Judge Sullivan is making sure it's abundantly clear that Michael Flynn is pleading guilty because he's guilty, that he lied to the FBI, that he knew it was wrong to lie to the FBI. Sullivan gave Flynn one final shot to withdraw his guilty plea. The judge asked if he wanted to proceed. Flynn said, quote, I would like to proceed. Sullivan said, because you're guilty? Flynn said, yes, your honor. And then they proceeded. And that was the part that went well for Michael Flynn in the D.C. courthouse today. Hmm. We pick up the next part here with AP. Uh, They report a federal judge abruptly postponed the sentencing of Donald Trump's first national security advisor on Tuesday, saying he could not hide his disgust for Flynn's crime of lying to the FBI and accusing him of selling out his country. Selling out his country. Lawyers for Flynn uh, had requested the de- uh, that the, this new delay now during what AP describes as a stunning hearing in which U.S. District Judge Emmett Sullivan gave Flynn a blistering rebuke. Quote, arguably, you sold out your country, Sullivan told Flynn. The judge added, I can't hide my disgust, my disdain. Now, remember, Fox News and the wingnuts thought that Sullivan might let Flynn walk entirely. They had a feeling that, oh, he's going to let him go. He saw this memorandum. He's not happy about it. He's going to let him go. Yeah, no, the opposite of that. Sullivan's harsh words raised the prospect that he could send Flynn to prison after all an unexpected development since prosecutors had recommended against prison time citing his cooperation with Mueller the delay allows now this is a new delay that allows Flynn to continue cooperating with the Russian probe for a while 
and get credit for that cooperation to credit it against whatever his punishment was uh, was about to be. The hearing comes amid escalating legal peril for Trump, who was implicated by federal prosecutors in New York this month, this month in a hush money uh, scheme to cover up extramarital affairs. Nearly half a dozen former aides and advisors, including Flynn, have pleaded guilty or agreed to cooperate with prosecutors, which makes this the most successful witch hunt in uh, the history of witch hunts, I would say. A lot of witches, it turns out. At the White House... Uh, After this remarkable hearing today, Press Secretary uh, Sarah Huckabee Sanders was asked if the administration has changed its stance on Flynn or on the FBI in light of Flynn's uh, admissions and uh, guilty plea. She said maybe he did do those things. Maybe he did. But it doesn't have anything to do with the president. It's perfectly acceptable for the president to make a positive comment about somebody while we wait to see what the court's determination is. Make a positive comment about somebody who has pleaded guilty to numerous federal felonies that the judge uh, describes as having sold out your country. Sanders repeated her allegations that the FBI ambushed Flynn In his interview, uh, in which he denied contacts with Russian officials, well, they did not ambush Flynn, uh, at least according to the so-called 302s. These are the contemporaneous uh, interview memorandum. Uh, These are notes from the interview made by the FBI, which the judge had requested in this case after the complaints from Flynn's attorney. And guess what? I've read them. They show just the opposite of an ambush. They show investigators being very polite, giving Flynn tons of opportunities to tell the truth about his contacts with Russia. And he continues to lie about it. They even uh, keep trying to prod him to tell the truth. But he refuses. Now, of course, I've already seen uh, the uh, wingnuts, uh, the MAGA folks saying, oh, they're doctored 302s. They've changed the 302s. Is that their new excuse? Yeah. But Flynn, uh, apparently, is not arguing as much. The new delay now in sentencing uh, upset what had been a very carefully crafted agreement reportedly with Mueller's office saying that Flynn had already provided, quote, the vast majority of information that he could provide. <laughs> the uh, the hearing they described just turned on a dime today. Flynn had expected to walk out of the courthouse today as a free man. Sullivan lambasted uh, Flynn for lying to the FBI in the West Wing of the White House and said he would not allow Flynn to minimize the seriousness of the crime after a prosecutor raised the prospect of Flynn's continuing cooperation with the uh, with investigators. Sullivan warned Flynn that he might not get the full credit for his assistance to the government if he were sentenced today as scheduled, suggesting that he was about to give him some jail time despite the recommendations from uh, prosecutors. This uh, dude was about to go to jail, it looks like. And at the last minute, uh, he seems to be saying, well, you know what, I could could cooperate a little bit more if that might help. Sullivan, they report, gave uh, Judge Sullivan gave a visibly shaken Flynn a chance to discuss a delay of the hearing with his lawyers. The court went to a brief recess, and when they returned, 
Flynn's lawyer defended Flynn's cooperation, but requested this postponement to allow him to keep cooperating for a little while longer. Kellner, uh, the attorney here, Kellner said he expected Flynn would have to testify in a related trial in Virginia involving Flynn's former business associate. And the defense wanted to, quote, eke out the last modicum of cooperation so he could get any credit in his uh, in any sentence. Uh, The attorney asked Sullivan not to penalize Flynn for arguments that his lawyers made in in the uh, sentencing memos that appeared to suggest that the FBI had tricked FBI uh, that had tricked Flynn into lying. But Sullivan fired back neither of those individuals. The attorneys here were a high ranking official who committed a crime while in the West Wing and on the premises of the White House. At the hearing, Sullivan told Flynn that he would take into account his extensive cooperation, which includes 19 meetings with investigators, as well as 33 military, 33 year military career, including service in Iraq and Afghanistan, but also said that he was forced to weigh these other factors, including Flynn's decision as national security advisor to lie to the FBI about contacts he had with the uh, Russian ambassador to the U.S. The judge therefore set a new hearing date for March. So this is not over yet. We're going to take some days off uh, over the holidays. So very nicely, they're waiting until we get back, I guess, to continue these proceedings. That's helpful. Ain't it, though? Quick break, and we're back with more broadcast and actually more delayed proceedings. Until after we're back, very thoughtful of everyone to think of us this way. Uh, Quick break, and we're back with more. I'm Brad Friedman. This is The Bradcast. Hey, this is Brad. If you haven't noticed by now, it's no easy feat finding facts, real facts, not alternative facts, over your public airwaves. We try to bring you real facts, truth, and clarity without fear or favor each and every day on The Bradcast. But we need your help to do it. If you enjoy the show and or get something from it, please give back a bit, if you can, by visiting us at bradblog.com donate. Your support helps Desi and me continue to bring you real, independent, progressive news five days a week over your public airwaves. We simply can't do it without your help, and that help is needed more now than ever. Please stop by bradblog.com donate today to make a one-time donation, or even better, automated monthly support. It'll take you about 60 seconds, and you can rest easy knowing that we'll be here every day making sense of it all, or at least trying to. That's bradblog.com slash donate, and thanks. It's beginning to look a lot like Christmas <laughs> everywhere you go. It certainly is. Welcome back to the Bradcast. Brad Friedman from bradblog.com. I, it's not going to be a very happy Christmas, I have a feeling, at the White House. Uh, or at Mar- like at, down in Mar-a-Lago, because well, that's where they're going to be. To be honest, I don't think it's very happy anywhere that Trump is, but that's just me. <laughs> he brings unhappiness wherever he goes? Yes. Uh, and coal. He brings lumps of coal, too. I wonder if he's giving uh, lumps of coal to uh, to to Baron for uh, Christmas this year. It would seem appropriate. He thinks coal is great. He does love it. 
All right. Well, we told you a few weeks ago that this was most likely to happen, and today it did. Arizona's governor on Tuesday appointed U.S. Congresswoman Martha McSally to replace U.S. Senator John Kyle in the seat that belonged to the late John McCain, sending the GOP congresswoman back to Washington just one month after she lost a very close race for the state's other spot in the U.S. Senate. So John John Kyle had been named to replace John McCain, but John Kyle said that he was only going to serve until the uh, until the end of the year in this replacement role. McSally, uh, who had lost in Arizona's November midterms to Democratic Congresswoman Kirsten Sinema uh, after a bruising contest in which she contended that Sinema committed, quote, treason by making anti-war uh, comments back in protest of the Iraq war back in 2003. Yes, that was part of the campaign that McSally waged against cinema. Well, now McSally is going to uh, be named to take what had been John Kyle's seat, which had been John McCain's seat. And now she will have to uh, join the Senate on the same day that Kirsten Cinema is sworn in. And they'll somehow have to work together on behalf of Arizonans in the U.S. Senate for at least the next two years. Republican Governor Doug Ducey said that Cinema will be sworn in first. The Democrat in this case would be sworn in first on January 3 when the Senate reconvenes after the holidays, making her Arizona's senior senator and its first woman in the chamber. He said, Ducey said, I'm going to respect the will of the voters. Yeah, sort of. Uh, he did just appoint the woman that they, the voters voted against becoming a U.S. senator. He just appointed her to become a U.S. senator, but at least Cinema will be the uh, senior senator there by a few minutes. Uh, apparently. What so, a remarkable turn of events. Isn't it, though? It really is. I mean, the fact that you're going to be in the Senate for two minutes and you're already the senior senator already because senior of senator. everything that's just, it's just all a mess. McSally, the Republican here, will serve until 2020 to finish out uh, McCain's term, and then voters will elect someone to uh, serve for for the next six years. So this is just a temporary, another temporary appointment. McSally told reporters, I look forward to working closely with Kirsten Cinema in the Senate, as we did in the House. There's a lot of common ground between us, and I'm ready to hit it running. Wonder if that common ground includes the treason that she accused her of just weeks ago. Cinema's spokesman for uh, for her part did not ref- uh, did not respond to a request for comment on Tuesday. Hmm. May still be some bad blood there. McSally has also tried to patched up frayed relations with the John McCain family, who she infuriated by following Trump's lead and not mentioning the dying senator during a signing ceremony for a defense bill that was named after John McCain while he was sick. She refused to mention his name. Boy, she's made a lot of friends, hasn't she? Delightful woman, this McSally. Uh, She did meet with McCain's wife, Cindy, uh, last week. Uh, Cindy McCain tweeted uh, today, my husband's greatest legacy was placing service to Arizona and the U.S. ahead of his own interests. 
I respect Doug Ducey's decision to appoint Rep. McSally to fill the remainder of his term. Arizona's Arizonans will be pulling for her. So not a shining endorsement, but close enough for these days, apparently. McSally uh, called the late senator an icon and a hero, not before the election, but now, uh, promising to commit, quote, to the standard of service that Senator McCain held, putting country before self. Democrats attacked the appointment following uh, McSally's Senate defeat. The uh, Democratic Senate Campaign Committee, who just trying to be helpful, said uh, in a statement, why appoint a loser when you could find a fresh face with a better shot in 2020? Democrats are always being helpful, aren't they? (laughs) Just being thoughtful. All right. Where are we now in trying to uh, keep up with this? Ah, yes. Uh, (laughs) To North Carolina and the Republican election fraud scandal that has been uh, continuing over the past several weeks. We had an update I wanted to get to uh, on yesterday's show. Ran out of time. The good news. Uh, there is more updates today, so we can catch up with all of it at once. Um, Our right. story so far. Uh, exactly. Uh, well, here's where we are, what I was going to cover yesterday, an evidentiary hearing on allegations of absentee ballot election fraud in a North Carolina congressional district uh, had been rescheduled. The North Carolina State Board of Elections announced late last week that the public hearing that had initially been scheduled for December 21, actually it was going to be by December 21, initially they thought maybe it'll come earlier, that uh, schedule, that, uh, that hearing for December 21 is now being pushed back to January 11, 2019. Once again, thoughtfully allowing for Desi and I to take a short break over the holidays (laughs) before we have to come back to this. Uh, In a letter last week, the State Board of Elections chair, Josh Malcolm, had suggested more time might be needed to decide whether a new election was going to be necessary for the 9th Congressional District race uh, for the U.S. House. Malcolm said that uh, the people being subpoenaed in this case... The Republicans, in other words, being subpoenaed in this case of GOP election fraud, uh, they said they needed more time to produce additional records. So they're sort of slow walking these uh, these subpoenas, according to uh, Malcolm last week. Now, unofficial results, as you should know by now, show the Republican Mark Harris leading the Democrat in the race from November by just 905 votes. But the State Board of Elections delayed certification of this race because of the allegations and now the evidence of a pretty massive election fraud scandal in at least two counties, it seems, in Bladen County and Robeson County, which are both part of the uh, ninth congressional district in North Carolina. Well, okay, so they've now pushed back the hearing, and now what? Well, initially, despite reports of absentee ballot election fraud in this case by this GOP contractor who was hired by the Republican candidate Mark Harris in the ninth congressional district, 
Republicans, initially, you'll recall, as our story began, they had insisted that Mark Harris be certified immediately so he could be sworn in on January 3. And if there was any investigation that needed to happen, that could be ongoing. We could get back to that later, but we must not leave the voters of the 9th District unrepresented. Well, they backed off that stance a week or two into the story after news broke that in Bladen County, they may have tallied early votes there and shared them with unauthorized personnel. They may have tallied the votes, the early votes, well, early, and that they may have shared them with someone from the Republican Party in advance of the November 6th election. That is also illegal. In that case, the Republicans had conceded, well, you know what? Okay, maybe a new election would, in fact, be warranted. So they started by saying certify him immediately. Then they said, well, okay, I guess we are going to have to have a new election probably after all. Now, however, they have reversed positions again and they are back to their initial position. Boy, it is a day of reversals and back downs and flip flops, isn't it? (laughs) Exactly. It's the Olympics, the Republican reversal Olympics. North Carolina Republicans rallied behind 9th District Congressional candidate Mark Harris on Monday according to the Charlotte Observer, ahead of a trial-like hearing that is now scheduled on allegations of what uh, Jim Morrill at Charlotte Observer describes as voter fraud allegations that could nullify Mark Harris's victory. Okay, first, it is not voter fraud, Jim Morrill of the Charlotte Observer. No voter has been accused of doing anything wrong. This is election fraud. Please leave them alone. Now, I tweeted as much to Jim Morrill at the Charlotte Observer today, not long before air, just as I had done to the Washington Post a few weeks back when they made the same mistake. They called it voter fraud like three different times in one of their articles. Eventually, Though they didn't respond to me directly, they changed those references from voter fraud to simply fraud. Jim Morrell, very politely, wrote back quite quickly after I posted to Twitter and explained that a correction was warranted here. He wrote back to say, good point. Oh, good. I'll get it corrected or fixed or something like that. I just checked it during the break. It has yet to be fixed. So an hour or two later, it's still not fixed, but we'll give him the benefit of the doubt. We'll go to war with him on another day if it doesn't get fixed. Uh, In any event, Republicans have now asked state officials once again to certify Harris's disputed election to Congress immediately unless it finds that alleged irregularities would have changed the outcome of the race. Now, there is plenty of evidence to suggest absentee ballots at this point were either changed or unlawfully collected by the contractor in question and then not returned to election officials. There was enough of those ballots to have changed the outcome. But more importantly here, Republicans are inventing a standard that does not actually exist. They don't have to prove that there were enough ballots in question to have changed the results. The State Board of Elections may take any necessary action, quote, according to state law, to assure that an election is determined without taint of fraud or corruption and without irregularities that may have changed the results of an election. Those actions that they could take include calling for a new election, probably the most fair and, frankly, conservative action at this point. Or they could just appoint the other candidate, Dan McCready, if they wanted. 
Meanwhile, the State Board of Elections on Monday issued guidelines for this January 11 hearing that will feature witnesses and cross-examinations by attorneys. The uh, hearing will take place in the courtroom of the North Carolina State Bar in Raleigh. It will take place a week after the uh, Democratic-controlled Congress takes over on January 3, and two Democratic members of Congress from North Carolina both said on Monday that they do not expect Harris will be seated. Can't imagine he would be. He won't be certified by then. Well, even if he were, I still can't imagine that Democrats would, like Nancy Pelosi, would allow him to be seated. But, While this investigation continues. But here's what the Republicans did. They assigned a uh, they passed a resolution, the state Republicans passed some sort of resolution that was signed by leaders of the state party and of the ninth district GOP criticizing what they called a, quote, lack of transparency in this election probe. Mind you, they're going to have a, a, pu- a public hearing on this thing. But they write absent clear and convincing evidence presented in public by the State Board of Elections that any alleged voting irregularities changed the outcome of the race or there is a substantial likelihood it could have changed. The law requires Dr. Harris to be certified as the winner. The resolution says the lack of transparency, they claim, is concerning. Well, the the board is investigating. I'm not sure what the transparency is that they're uh, that they have a problem with. They say um, North Carolina GOP executive director Dallas Woodhouse yesterday said the board of elections must show its hand immediately Hmm. to justify further delay that would prevent the ninth district from being represented when the new Congress is sworn in. The people of the ninth are tired of waiting and should not have to wait any longer. Well, I don't know that they're tired of waiting. They have representation right now. They have uh, Congressman Robert Pittenger, the Republican who was unseated in the GOP primary by Mark Harris when he used the same GOP contractor to apparently also commit fraud in that election in order to unseat him. So I don't think the people of the ninth are are tired. Uh, This guy, Woodhouse, uh, just last week, he admitted that a new election was called for if, in fact, early votes were released early, which he conceded they most likely were. And now he's saying, oh, no, we have to certify it immediately. So uh, kind of a confusing message. Uh, Andrew Bates, a spokesperson for American Bridge, which is a uh, Democratic leaning Uh, political organization said North Carolina Republicans are further shredding their own credibility with a blatant call to reward election fraud, adding it would be laughable if it weren't so sad. Actually, I disagree. I think it's kind of (laughs) laughable. Well, as I said, it's beginning to look a lot like Christmas. Take a quick break, and we are back with Desi Doyen and the latest Green News report. Oh, that'll be sad. That's straight ahead. I'm Brad Friedman. Don't touch that dial. The Bradcast and the Green News Report are 100% independent, 100% listener-supported. But we can't do it alone. We need you. Please help us bring real facts to listeners at independent stations around the nation. Please drop by bradblog.com donate. That's bradblog.com donate. And thanks. I'll stop the world 
Welcome back to the Bradcast. Brad Friedman from bradblog.com. You know, I was thinking yeah. during the break that it sounds to me like what the North Carolina Republicans are doing with yeah. this big switcheroo that they've just yeah. pulled is that they're actually trying to work the refs. They're trying to well, intimidate the are. State Board of Elections and try to get the public opinion to be on their side. Yeah, I was going to say, who are the refs in this case? I mean, the refs are officially the State Board of Elections. Yeah. but they're And uh, the media. And the media, you're right. But uh, definitely trying to get the public on their side. Good luck with that, North Carolina Republicans. Okay, we got to get to it. Our latest Green News report. I'm the steward of our nation's majesty. Not anymore. Trump's scandal-plagued Interior Secretary Ryan Zinke is out. Close to 200 countries have signed on to the deal at COP24. UN climate talks make progress on the Paris Agreement rulebook. You are not mature enough to tell it like it is. Even that burden you leave to us children. As youth climate activists ratchet up the pressure. Plus, companies jump at U.S. offshore wind lease sale, shattering all previous records. All of those broken records and more straight ahead. From bradblog.com, I'm Brad Friedman. And I'm Desi Doyan. Stand by for six minutes of independent green news, politics, analysis, and snarky comment. I'm the steward of our nation's majesty. Yeah, well, his majesty just fired Jizenki. Adios, muchachos. This is your... Green News Report. Okay, Desi Doyen, I don't know why it took so long, but Ryan Zinke is finally out or will be by the end of the year. Yes, Trump Interior Secretary Ryan Zinke will step down from his cabinet position on January 2nd. This was expected, but he does leave under a cloud of multiple ethics and criminal investigations into his actions. To say the least. Including real estate dealings in his home state of Montana. Zinke is perhaps best known for carrying out President Donald Trump's orders to shrink the boundaries of national monuments in Utah and elsewhere, and his rollbacks of Obama-era climate and pollution standards for oil and gas extraction on the public's lands. Zinke's policy changes have put the U.S. on track to make both global warming and air pollution worse. And in case you're worried, don't be. There will be another creature to fill the swamp space left over by Zinke. Indeed. In the same way that scandal-plagued Trump EPA Administrator Scott Pruitt was replaced by a coal lobbyist, Zinke may be replaced by the second-in-command at Interior former oil and gas industry lobbyist David Bernhardt. Bernhardt is less flashy, but he's more effective at operating without attracting attention. It's a bottomless swamp. Zinke is heading for the exits right as the incoming Democratic House majority was preparing to make him actually answer questions about his numerous ethics scandals and deregulatory agenda. At least some of the Inspector General and Congressional investigations into Zinke's activities will continue. Good, they should. These are alleged criminal activities that the DOJ is looking at, so I would think that 
investigation would continue. Meanwhile, after two weeks of tense negotiations at the United Nations climate talks in Poland, known as COP24, over the weekend, nearly 200 governments agreed on a rule book for implementing the landmark Paris Climate Agreement to cut global greenhouse gas emissions that cause dangerous man-made global warming. The highly technical final rule book balances the responsibilities of rich nations versus poor and developing nations, and it sets up mechanisms for monitoring one another's progress. Rich nations will increase funding to assist poor nations in dealing with global warming impacts, and poor and developing nations will get more time to meet their pledges. In return for assistance, developing nations agreed to be bound by the same reporting requirements and transparency rules as the rich nations, and that will apply to all countries. All countries, including the U.S.? Yes. China reportedly stepped up in the absence of U.S. leadership to create the binding framework that will govern how the world responds to climate change for decades to come. Well, it's nice that we're following China's lead when it comes to climate change. It is important to note that the Paris Agreement targets do not go far enough and are far short of the level of action and speed that climate scientists say is necessary to stave off the worst impacts of global warming. A surprising part of the Poland climate talks, however, was the surge in youth climate activists in larger numbers than ever before, who were intent on shaming the delegates into increasing their ambition. 15-year-old Swedish youth climate activist Greta Thunberg's no-nonsense plenary speech pulled no punches. You say you love your children above all else, and yet you're stealing their future in front of their very eyes. We cannot solve a crisis without treating it as a crisis. We need to keep the fossil fuels in the ground. We have run out of excuses and we are running out of time. Finally, some good news. While the Trump administration's lease sales for oil and gas drilling rights on public lands have failed to drum up much industry interest... Auctions for offshore wind, however, have broken new records. The latest lease auction for building new offshore wind projects off the U.S. East Coast broke a new all-time record high. Three companies bid a record-setting $410 million. Two of those three winners are oil companies. Really? Yep. Fascinating. For much more on all of these stories and the ones we couldn't get to today, please check out our website at greennews.bradblog.com. Find us, follow us, and share us worldwide on the Facebooks and the Twitters at Green News Report. I'm Brad Friedman. And I'm Desi Doyan. And this has been your Green News Report. Thank you very much, Desiree. <laughs> Actually, you know what? Uh, I said, oh, it's uh, sad because the Green News Report is always uh, nothing but trouble. Actually, a lot of good news in that story. You got Ryan uh, Zinke is out. The U.N. came to some sort of agreement. We got the offshore uh, the, the wind, wind farm record. Yeah, that's a big deal, that record. It's uh, 10 times the previous lease sale for offshore wind. That is a uh, surprisingly upbeat Green News report for you. So there you go. Are you okay? <laughs> My thanks to our producer, Desi Doy, and to all of you for spending a portion of your day or night with us. If you missed any portion of today's broadcast, download it anytime for free at bradblog.com. We do thank you, however, if while you're there, you stop by bradblog.com slash donate. 
to help us stay on your public airwaves. We do not uh, take corporate support or political support. We rely on listeners to stay on the public airwaves. Uh, so end of year, uh, you're thinking of uh, end of year giving? bradblog.com slash donate. We would welcome you. You can drop me email if you like. I'm bradcast at bradblog.com on the Facebooks and the Twitters. I hope you will find and uh, follow and share all that we do there as well, where you can find me. I am the Brad blog. And I think that's it. Yes, it is beginning to look a lot like Christmas until we meet again tomorrow. I'm Brad Friedman. Good luck world. Good luck world.